Hello, future Lakers. Welcome to a brand new start. I'm your host, Kyle Anderson, graduate and post-degree student recruitment officer at Nipissing University. On today's episode, we'll be talking about the Master of Kinesiology program with graduate Rachel Van Wuzik. We'll talk about their coursework, classmates, supervising professor, and more. We'll also discuss Rachel's research project titled Real Versus Ideal toward a deeper understanding of how coaches gain knowledge. So wherever you're listening from today, whether it's while working, relaxing, or exercising, I hope you enjoy. Please welcome to the podcast, Rachel Van Wuzik. Hi, Rachel. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Are you, uh, you enjoying your summers up here? Or are you more of a fall-winter person? We get some beautiful seasons in North Bay. Uh, we definitely do. I remember that from when I was a student here, but uh, I'm enjoying the summer. Summer in North Bay is definitely great. No, for sure. So we're going to talk about the Master of Kinesiology today. Uh, Rachel is a graduate from that program. Before we do, though, do you maybe want to tell us about just how you ended up in North Bay and at Nipissing? Or did you do your undergrad here, too? Where are you originally from? Uh, yes, give us your background. Yeah, um, I think I probably have a pretty interesting and lengthy story for that. So I did do my undergrad here and graduate school, and now I am employed here as well. So a Nipissing Full lifer. Circle. Yeah, <laughs> you know it. Um, so I actually went to a different institution for a year right out of high school, and that was a good experience, but ended up transferring here Uh most of my decisions were actually kind of driven by basketball at the time. So this was a good opportunity for me to play uh, the U sports level. Unfortunately, that was a bit terminated by in, uh, injury. But mm. yeah, um, I had a great experience. I was in the BPHE program for my undergrad um, and went through. I did five years in that uh, because of varsity athletics and really loved my experience. Ended up doing a master's because I had a third or fourth year placement uh, in the kin department. And I actually remember getting my placement. I wanted to do athletic therapy because at the time I thought maybe physio, that's what everybody in phys ed seems to think. Yeah. Um, and I ended up getting something with data collection with this project called uh, Canadian Assessment of Physical Literacy. And I remember <laughs> seeing it and saying, what is that? That's not what I asked yeah. for. Um, and I ended up really loving it. It was kind of a research-based thing. So we would go into different schools in the community and do like fundamental movement tests with them. But it was super interesting. And I sort of got coursed by some of the graduate students to do an honors project. Um, they told me it was a good way to get a good mark and learn a lot. So I did do that. Um, and I was fortunate to do that with Dr. Mark Bruner, and sort of get to pick my own research topic, which I think is pretty rare um, from maybe some other institutions. So, Oh, yeah, we'll get yeah. into that for yeah, sure. Yeah, we will. So, yeah. yeah, and then after that, I mean, things really took off. I enjoyed uh, coaching and the coaching course here and decided to pursue a master's in that field. So That's great. You already hit on a few things I wanted to touch on, but we'll dig in a little deeper. Um, you talked about you did the BPHE program, then KIN. I know that both those programs, they have, I mean, similar profs, of, uh, profs, of course, um, super tight-knit community in that program. So maybe talk about just uh, a little more about the students that you met and the professors too. It sounds like you were kind of being pushed towards the masters <laughs> a little bit. It's They kind of foster that environment in the programs in Nipissing, being a smaller school, you know, encouraging students to stay, do another degree. Uh, yeah, maybe just elaborate on that a bit more. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you make a good point. Nipissing, uh, I think one of its greatest strengths are in its people um, and sort of the friendliness and interpersonal skills of uh, the people around. So when I was here as a student, I mean, I think Nipissing attracts a certain type of person for sure. Yeah. Um, 
And it was just a great environment. I got along with everybody in my program. We were all like-minded, even though we had different passions that we wanted to pursue and stuff like that. Um, But I was fortunate as a member of the women's basketball team to have a really tight-knit group of close friends through that. Um, So we spent a lot of time together, and many of us were in the BPHG program as well. Um, And then same with my master's. I mean, again, all like-minded people, but I finally sort of expanded a little bit um, with people that I hadn't really met before through athletics or anything, and that was really great for me. Some of them are still friends today and will be lifelong friends. Um, And the faculty here, obviously, I think is incredible. So uh, I feel very well supported at Nipissing University by our faculty members. And I think that, I mean, you probably hear it all the time with it being such a small school. um, I'm not student zero zero four seven two like I'm Rachel exactly um and that was really nice and I was able to build some great relationships with profs and feel like I got way more out of my education than I may have elsewhere because of it yeah no absolutely I mean that's I've told this story before to some of the students that may have met me out there on the road um when I was in high school originally I came here for open house at the time uh met a couple professors in the history program and then sure enough, like my first day of class, one of them remembered me. I wasn't just a number and walked in. He's like, Kyle, you made it. Good to see you made it. And like just hearing that was like, wow, like they actually know who I am. That's a nipping um, experience. Exactly. I think a lot of students picture like a, a movie with a big lecture hall and like a thousand people. Some professor walks in with like a briefcase. They talk yeah. for like an hour and then walk out. <laughs> uh, and it's not like that at all. Uh, and you already mentioned Mark Bruner. Uh, yes. He was your supervisor. He was. It's a great segue. Um At some schools, as you kind of mentioned, you do have to reach out to your supervisors ahead of time. It's usually preferred. Uh, Some do like you to have some loose idea of what your topic is. Some want you to have your whole research topic kind of fleshed out already. Uh, So do you maybe want to explain that process at Nipissing? Did you uh, talk to Mark prior to, you know, actually applying to the master's? Did he encourage you? Or did you have an idea for your project and then get placed with him? based on, you know, what your topic was? Yeah, good question. Um, I think that my recruitment process for the master's program sort of started before my honors project, to be honest. So it was more like Dr. Bruner recruited me in my undergrad and then retained me over time, basically. (laughs) Um, So when I was talking to some other graduate students at the time about what I would be interested in researching for my undergrad honors project, I was really interested in coaching and team dynamics and stuff like that, um, obviously with the links to sport and coaching. And at first I was thinking of doing work with Dr. Barbie Law, who I ended up working with as a research assistant and she's wonderful as well. Um, But Mark's interests really aligned with mine more than anybody else's, to be honest. So we ended up working together and then... I don't know, he, he sold me on the master's program. <laughs> yeah, that it was a small school and, and stuff. Did you have the topic like in mind too? Um, like I know you said coaching a bit, but I, I know it, I'm assuming it evolved over time. Yeah. Uh, so like, yeah, how did that uh, kind of go so, throughout the program? Really good question. <laughs> it's kind of a funny story, actually. Um, when I first enrolled in the master's program, I did have to, of course, write a proposal and yeah. present it. Um, I even presented it at like a student-led conference that oh, was a okay. little less formal than some other conferences. And we had this big idea of like observing coach behavior and you basically quantify it with this thing called the coach leadership assessment system. It was this big project, well drawn out. Um, And then I remember kind of sitting at home one evening and thinking like, okay, I want to be a coach. Like, where do I learn to coach? Does it have to be in courses or how do other coaches learn? How can I find out? And then 
I don't know, we decided, I went in the next day and I was like, hey, Dr. Bruner, I think I actually don't want to do the coach behavior thing anymore. I think this would be a really cool and feasible project for us to do. I remember he was standing in a doorway on his way to a meeting and he looked at me and said, great, we're going to do it. And there was like six months of work (laughs) from my other proposal gone, but um, he really like rolled with it and moved quickly with it. And I appreciated it. Like I feel privileged that I got to just switch on the fly like that. Oh um, yeah. I just want to say too, it's, it's not a rare story, not only for kin, but for other programs too. There's yeah. tons of students that start, you know, oh their project. They might have a breakthrough with like a certain, um, it could be like epiphany one night yeah. when you're sleeping for other students, <laughs> they might be going through research or resources. They find something and it's like, Oh my gosh, a huge breakthrough exactly. kind of changes the route. Uh, so your title, I did mention this in the intro, but real versus ideal toward a deeper understanding of how coaches gain knowledge. So if that was the final product, do you want to maybe tell us a little bit? I mean, it was a while ago. You don't have to give us the full, you know, thesis, uh, but maybe just a general kind of idea of what that was about. What was the conclusion? Where does it fit in the historiography? Right. No, um, another good question. So my project was really driven, like most of my research projects were, by personal experiences. So at the time, I really knew that I wanted to pursue coaching as a career And I was kind of thinking, how can I double dip with my master's to better understand experiences that other coaches have had maybe as like a a cheat code for myself. Um, So what we did for that project was we created an online questionnaire and then had follow up interviews. Basically, we had 900 and some coaches complete the online questionnaire which was, they were recruited exclusively through Twitter, which was pretty amazing. Um, Yeah, I got lucky. Wow, no, that's amazing. (laughs) All over the world. Um, And basically we asked them two questions about 16 different potential sources of knowledge that they were using. It ranged from like mentorship to learning from doing, books and other resources, the list really goes on. Um, And we basically asked them had they used or not used each source of knowledge And then on a scale of one to seven, how much they preferred each source. And we wanted to understand like what sources are actually being used and then what sources are desired by these coaches, because those could be two different things. And it may be problematic as well for learning institutions, organizations, if they're not kind of teaching the way that coaches want to learn. Right. Um, So it was interesting. And we ended up doing follow-up interviews um, and realizing that, of course, coaches are especially in Canada, generally volunteer-based, um, and have other right. lives. So many are parents, teachers, the list really goes on, um, and don't necessarily always have time to spend a week at a course to right. check a box on the resume kind of thing. Um, so most coaches actually really preferred mentorship, learning from doing, interacting with coaching peers and stuff like that. And it's funny because coaching, I think, is very social and relational, and the way that coaches seem to like to learn really align with that as well. No, absolutely. And did it has did it help you in your own uh, coaching journey? It did actually, but um, you know, I think speaking with all of those different coaches and just hearing their right. experiences yeah. helped me omit ideas that I may have thought would be useful. I'll <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> go and just streamline my way. So no, that's yeah. absolutely. Um, so you mentioned, you know, speaking with those coaches, were there any other resources you used? Um, you know, archival research, maybe that's more the historian than me (laughs) speaking, but you know, archival research, uh, the library lab spaces, um, anything else? Oh yeah. I mean, one of the benefits of the master's of science and kinesiology program and probably other graduate programs here is that, um, I was fortunate in our lab to have like my own workspace and desk at all times, my own computer, like a desktop, Um, So that was really, really awesome to have. My project was a lot of 
interviews and the questionnaire. So it was mostly on a computer. Mm-hmm. However, I did do some other research during my time in the program as an RA. Um, yep. And for that, I used a lot of cool software and stuff like that in the lab. Like, um, again, that coach leadership assessment system thing. We did do a project with that where we analyzed coach behavior. Um, there's also some facial recognition software that we have up there in the kin labs. Nice. Um, yeah. So a couple different things. Yeah, that's great. That's um actually brings me to another point I'd like to mention just the some of the other things you do outside of your own research in the program obviously you're focusing primarily on um, your own research but uh, there's different you know uh, opportunities like an RA ship you mentioned research assistant TA Mm -hmm. uh, there's other conferences the three-minute thesis competition uh, different things like that so maybe yeah some other opportunities that you had in the program outside of you know all the research and studying and all that oh yeah so I mean, there was my own research and then there was also a lot of Dr. Bruner's uh, research. So I was really fortunate. And again, I think this is a theme at Nipissing um, that I basically got roped into most projects that were going on in the lab in some capacity, whether that was formal or informal. Um, So I was fortunate to get a few publications out of that, actually, which I'm really grateful for. Um, but, you know, Kieran Pelche in my program yeah. was um, studying holistic health and physical activity mm. for Indigenous youth. That was something that was completely yeah. new to me and, and really, really interesting. Um, I had some other students around me. Alana Schwed was working on food as reward in sports. So, oh, wow. like, do you ever I think of, like, going to basketball practice and getting a slushy after or something? Is that <laughs> motivating kids to participate in sport? So, oh, that's uh, awesome. <laughs> One of my questions is going to be if you had any other, uh, like, students in the program who had topics <laughs> yeah. that interest you. You've already, there's two of them already. It's yeah. kind of awesome. So. Oh, it was really, really cool. Yeah. So um, lots of projects going around on around me that I got to be part of. And then, um, of course, with Dr. Bruner and his postdoc at the time, Dr. McLaren, um, got roped into social network analyses, lit reviews. Um, and then I was also fortunate to be a TA for a few years for Dr. Bruner um, in the coaching course. Oh, which was nice. cool. Yeah, so perfect. got to interact with coaches at the coaching cafe, which he has every single year. It's awesome. a great event. Um, and just kind of be part of everything going on in the lab. So, yeah. And it, it, and like you mentioned, it's kind of the full circle with, you mentioned you were an undergrad student, you had the grad students at the time that, you know, kind of <laughs> took you under their wing. So it's very much a system with the RAs and TAs mm-hmm. getting to work with undergrads. And then, yeah, it just fosters a, a nice relationship between, you know, every student, regardless of whether you're undergrad graduate um oh yeah maybe going on to a phd later like some students do you never know uh so maybe uh do you want to talk a bit about um what you've been doing since the graduate program yeah sure so um things were a little i shouldn't say rocky for me everything worked out really well but um for a while i didn't i didn't really know to be honest so i graduated uh i really wanted to pursue coaching basketball that was still sort of driving all of my decisions i did think about doing a phd um I didn't know where or what in exactly I was trying to iron out my interests. And I graduated in the middle of the pandemic, right, as right. many of us. So yeah. I ended up going back home to the Ottawa area. Um, and I was fortunate at the time I was able to work as a research coordinator remotely awesome. for yeah. Dr. Bruner. Oh, that's um, great. So that was really great. And I was still working in my field and stuff. Um, and at the time I joined the coaching staff for Carlton Women's Basketball. So I was fortunate to spend two seasons with them. Um, that kept me busy, but I also landed a full-time position at an organization called Children's Healthcare Canada, awesome. which is not in my field, <laughs> but uh, it was it was a really, really phenomenal place to work. I learned a lot about even coaching and leadership in it. Awesome. Um, yeah. But what was cool about it was, you know, I went into that interview as a kin grad 
And I didn't really know anything about pediatrics, which was the context of the work. But I ended up getting that job because, I mean, A, great references from a small school and then B, um, my research experience and just from being a graduate student. So I was fortunate that we were able to sell them on that and and that worked out really, really well. No, that's awesome. And I was going to ask how, you know, what you might have taken from the Ph.D. program that I don't want to say helped you get a job, but helped you while you were working. And like you said, it, it doesn't have to do with necessarily the topic of your project, but just the research skills, right? Things like that exactly. you, you gained. Yeah. Tons of skills and sort of, I thought of the program as sort of learning how to learn, um, which That's, I yeah. think was appreciated in the interview process. So. No, absolutely. And I, I, it's nice to hear you say that too. I think a lot of students or prospective students, um, they get so maybe ner- nervous might be the wrong word, maybe the right word, anxious about what their research topic is going to be. A lot of them feel like they have to have like their project done while they're applying. <laughs> and it's like, oh my God, like a research proposal. What? Like, I don't even know. And like you said, your topic totally changed. So yeah. I think the important thing for people to remember is like, don't get too hung up on your topic. Like that'll work its way out. Like mm-hmm. it'll work out while you're going through your research and everything. Um, but definitely, I mean, one thing to take from what Rachel said is you're going to have professors working really close with you other students, and you're going to gain a lot of experiences and skills that you can apply elsewhere. You know, it doesn't have to be necessarily directly related to whatever your topic is. Uh, but you mentioned yourself, you weren't necessarily a huge research uh, computer stats type person <laughs> until you had like some of these students, right? And, exactly. you're, and you're getting involved in all these other projects, like exactly. you're going to do what they need you to, to do, right? Absolutely. Um, is there anything else about Nipissing you want to talk about that you, uh, inside the program or just in general, just your experience as a student? Oh, man. I think you've covered it for the most part. Um, Your answers have been great. I mean, you've been, you've been <laughs> covering, you've been knocking questions off my I'm list. Glad, I'm going. glad. So it's been fantastic. <laughs> um, I do have a couple more questions for you. Did you do the three-minute con- thesis competition? I did. You did do it? Okay, yeah. tell us a bit about that because I know not all students do it. Ooh, um, yeah. It's, I mean, I know some grad programs make all the students do it and it's mandatory. Others, it's optional. Right. Uh, so yeah, maybe tell me about that. I know it's pretty fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was optional for me. I opted to do it. I went as a spectator in my first year. I believe Jordan Sutcliffe, who was in my lab, won that year. Yeah, he, yes. his was uh, great. His was I really thought. good. Yeah, and it was, was also, cool. I think it was about parents. In, yes. In, so not coaching, but it was about youth sports. Yeah. Parents. Yeah. It, it was really basically cool. it was on how social identity that parents yeah. have affects their behavior at youth sport games. So it was about yeah. kind of rink rage and yeah, I thought it was uh, really interesting. I mean, it was a competition that you can win some prizes in, which was great, but um, it was sort of pitched to our lab as you basically go in and you have three minutes to present your thesis work in a really anecdotal yeah. way. Um, and my big takeaway from that was what a great skill to learn because right. the average person doesn't want to pick up a 25 page article uh, with a very jargony Absolutely. method section and read through it all. But the average person would love to hear in lay terms what your work is about and how it's relevant to them. Um, so it was really cool. Uh, it was virtual when I did it, which was an interesting and kind of different experience, not mm-hmm. being in a room full of people, but I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I would recommend it. Right. And I know definitely, I mean, like you said, virtual, little different environment, but similar to the research skills, you know, presentation skills, public speaking skills. Exactly. There's plenty of students too that, um, you know, don't have those skills necessarily depending mm-hmm. on what their undergrad was in. Um, some of the opposite, some love all the yeah. research side, but don't yeah. have the public speaking side. Exactly. So yeah, you do get to foster a lot of different skills in the program. So true. 
I think we'll uh, shift to our rapid fire section okay. now to wrap up the interview. Um, you can keep these questions a little shorter. They're going to be more uh, more for fun. Okay. Uh, just to kind of paint a fun picture of North Bay, Nipissing. So uh, the first one I'll ask you about, I mean, we already know about the basketball team. <laughs> you can tell us more about that, though. Like, No worries. But tell me more about um, just an extracurricular club, team, group uh, that you joined while you were here. Were there any others? Uh, um, I was part of, again, it's athletics, but the Student Athlete Advisory Committee, no, no, which was great, cool. Yeah. Um, that was awesome. That was initiated by Vito and a couple of students in the athletic department. And it was just essentially getting student athletes opinions on how we can be more engaged on campus and with the rest of the Nipissing and North Bay community. Um, so we met fairly frequently and that was a good experience. I learned a lot about organization and stuff in it. No, that's so, great. And yeah. it's, yeah, it's good to hear like there's so many opportunities for students on campus, oh, especially yeah. being a smaller school. Like you can get involved in almost anything you want to. Absolutely. Um, and then like you mentioned with the the people in town uh, in North Bay, you make a lot of uh, relationships with them too. We, it's a smaller city, so Nipissing yeah. is a huge part of the city, and uh, the students get a lot of experiences through that as well. Um, how about, uh, we've talked a lot about studying and research, how about relaxing when it comes time to like, chip, maybe go back to from when you were <laughs> when you were a student, because I know it gets, it can be a lot of late night studying and, and all that sort of stuff. So what did you do to relax while you were an, uh, a graduate student? Good question. Um, Full disclosure, that's something that I struggled with as a graduate No, that's good to hear, too. It it was highly encouraged that I do take time for myself, but I would say the biggest thing for me was always exercise. That's what it came down to, probably in my roots. But um, finding a bit of time to – I like to lift, so going to the gym and just kind of tuning the world out, uh, doing my thing was best for me and still is. Perfect, perfect. Um, How about your favorite spot on campus? Can be inside, outside, both? Multiple. I really love the pond. Yeah, great. Back yeah. behind the R wing where we are right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I will say though that for me, nothing compares to Jim B, the basketball court, when nice. it's set up for yeah. a game. So sometimes, both as a student and now, I would like to go sit in there, just kind of hang yeah, out. Yeah, no, absolutely. And for those students who haven't been to North Bay or the campus yet, the athletic center was built in 2012. So, I mean, it's still a relatively new building. It's beautiful. State of the art. Uh, when it's set up for the team games, it does look great. State of the art, like you said. Uh, and if you are in the KIN program, most of the labs, if not all of them, are in the athletic mm-hmm. center as well. So you'll uh, be spending a lot of time there if you are <laughs> yes. a BPHE or KIN student. Uh, how about a favorite spot in North Bay? Do you have a favorite local, uh, maybe area or a restaurant, shop? Uh, somewhere you like to go in town. Yeah. Well, you know what? I really, really love the waterfront. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's probably a seller for everybody. Absolutely, but yeah. I remember when I was in my undergrad, I didn't really take advantage of it or the summers here. And then I remember staying for the first time in grad school. And I was like, man, what have I been missing I, this whole time? I can relate. So. My roommates in my undergrad stayed every summer. And I went yeah. home to Barrie and I missed out a lot. Like they had a ton of fun it's in the summer. awesome. Yeah. So if you do have a chance as a student to stay up here in the summers, do it. Yes. Find some work, hang out, enjoy the weather. Um, what about your favorite part of being a Laker? For me, it's about the people still. I'll always go back to that. Um, I mean, everybody knows Vito and Rock, or Rock, Doc and Rob and all of the coaches in the Athletic Center. Um, so, yeah, just building those relationships, again, as it is everywhere on the Nipissing campus is the best part. Totally. And I can relate to that too. I mean, I wasn't even in those programs. Those people you mentioned, Vito, Doc, <laughs> Rob, I see them in town. All that. You might see them at the grocery store. You might see them <laughs> yeah. everywhere. There's always a wave, always friendly. 
Uh, I think this will be the last question to wrap okay. things up. Um, feel free to take as much time as you want with this one. Okay. Short, sweet, long if you want. Uh, what's one piece of advice you give to a future graduate student? Ooh, that's a good question to... It can be before, it can be like in the application process while they're a student, uh, before their defense, mm. uh, wrapping up their project. Okay. I have something that I think probably applies to all of those things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, if I were to sum it up, it would be that the, the how matters. And by that, I mean, it's especially relevant here as it is in all facets of life, but at Nipissing University, like you mentioned before, there are a million opportunities um, and so many different pathways you can take, so many different experiences you can have. But you can go through a graduate program and just try to check boxes so that you can add letters to the end of your name or whatever at the end of it. Um, or you can seek out opportunity and you can seek out you know, research assistantships and teaching assistantships and clubs and meet people and really engage with your lab mates. Um, so for me, it was that the how really matters. And a lot of people think, oh, well, you know, you're so lucky you had so many opportunities and I am and I'm very grateful, but I also really sought them out. Um, yeah. So for me, that's how I went about it. And if you look on this campus, there are a million opportunities for you. So great, that would perfect. Be it. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Thank I, you very much you for having fun. me. It was great. fun. <laughs> and uh, good luck coaching this year moving thank forward. You. I hope the team does well. I'm sure producer Chris and I will be out at a few games this year rooting you on. So thanks again. Thank you. Thank you again to our guest, Rachel Van Wuzik, for joining us to talk about the Master of Kinesiology program. If you would like more information about Nipissing's post-degree programs, please email us anytime at nuinfo at nipissingu.ca or sign up for our mailing list on our website, nipissingu.ca slash future students. Special thanks to Kayla Newton, Associate Registrar of Recruitment at Nipissing University, for making this podcast possible, and our producer, Chris Pikarski, who makes the audio magic happen. Intro and outro music for the podcast is courtesy of Club Silencio, you can find their latest work on Apple Music, Spotify, Bandcamp, or wherever you stream your music. I'm Kyle Anderson. Until next time, thank you for listening to A Brand New Start.